Flow Designer is a great low-code way to automate your processes. And Integration Hub is the perfect companion to connect systems together. Both have been around for several releases. So what's new in the Rome release? Well, I've got the person who can tell us in this episode of Breakpoint. Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow developer podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and curious individuals. And I say that, of course, with the utmost respect, welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow developer podcast. In this episode, I've got the pleasure of talking to Jake Berman, Director of Product Management. How are you today, Jake? Hey, Chuck. I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Hey, we've worked together for a while, but this is the first time, you know, we've had you on the podcast. So before we begin, I always like to get to know our guest. What's your origin story, as the superheroes say? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Origin story. So <laughs> I've been doing automation for about 25 years and uh, in, in enterprise software for the last seven with ServiceNow. So my background is in enterprise software and specifically automation technology. Um, I have a wife, four kids, two dogs. Um, I joined the pro- when I joined the product organization, I relocated to San Diego to be close to the primary dev teams for our workflow products mm-hmm. and our integration products. And so the last several years, I've really just been enjoying sunny California. What do I like about this job? Um, it's a great team. It's a great platform. It's a great company. Uh, and really, we create great outcomes. We are a workflow company, and my teams get to build our workflow products. Yeah, you're at the heart of all this stuff. You really are. Uh, I'm curious. You've been doing automation for 25 years. What did automation look like in the mid-1990s? I'm, I'm more than curious on this. Oh, that's a good question. You were working at the lowest level protocols. You know, things like web services didn't exist. So you're talking about TCP IP stacks and uh, sending payloads that you would then have to parse on the other side. And if you wanted any kind of bidirectional integration, well, then you have to go author that TCP IP stack on both sides. And so that got quite interesting. And you didn't have things like SOAP even back then. And then when SOAP came around, that certainly turned some things around. And you could go and use a WSDL or some sort of... Uh, XML parsing technique, but um, yeah, it, it was certainly different days back then. Did you did you do anything with modems and and you know X modem, Y modem, Z modem? One of my first enterprise jobs was working for the for an airline, uh, so Northwest Airlines prior to the Delta to acquisition, and we had to actually manage software releases over 400 baud uh, dial-up modem lines. <laughs> pick pick your location all over the world, and we did it. Hey, I need solitaire on my 200 laptops in uh, Hawaii uh, reservations office sure. would be responsible for that. Hey, we need to deploy this patch to all of our servers in Kuala Lumpur. Guess what? We have to feed <laughs> that over a week, stage it, and then go remote connect to those devices to automate the, the installation. So, yep, those were some origins. Good times. Good times. <laughs> no one ever. <laughs> Invaluable experience. Okay. When you're not at work, and thinking about integrations and automation, what do you enjoy doing? Well, I mentioned my family. So we're a family of six, plus I have two dogs. Mm-hmm. When I'm not at work, we're really a very active family. So biking, swimming, hiking, water sports, and things like that. Oh, Southern California just works really well for that then. Absolutely. All right. We've got two main topics to discuss in this episode. So 
let's dig in. Let's let's start with Flow Designer. Great. So Flow Designer is ServiceNow's low-code and no-code workflow product. Users can create complex business logic and automation with clicks versus code. Mm-hmm. So Flow Designer is a very powerful workflow product. Originally, it was designed for rapid development for complex enterprise workflow scenarios. We've begun adding governance features uh, to enable no-coders or citizen developers, where ServiceNow admins can disable or hide the complex functionality that advanced users need and enable scale of workflow development by business analysts, users, and departments outside of IT. So many of our customers are familiar with our legacy workflow product. Sure. I want to note that workflow is still supported product and continues to work. Flow Designer is a more modern approach to workflow. And we encourage customers to adopt flow versus workflow. All new development the past three years has been with the flow product. At this point, not only do we have parity uh, with our, our former workflow product, mm-hmm. uh, we far exceeded our legacy product with both performance and new rich capabilities. A couple of, of more notes to highlight. Did you know that our virtual agent conversations use Flow Designer and Integration Hub to fit? to facilitate communication with chat clients. I did not know that. Did you know that MetricBase, our time series database for machine learning, uh, uses Flow for its action plan? Makes sense, but again, I never really thought about it. Cool. And then we also use it with event management. So our ITOM products, IT Operations Management Event Management, Mm -hmm. use Flow as its action plan to resolve alerts or to action alerts. We also use it for inbound email, and countless other out-of-box uh, parts of our platform. We are using Flow under the hood as the engine for workflow. It's really driving a lot of stuff then, isn't it? Uh, it really is. So, Jake, are there are there people in ServiceNow still developing on the legacy workflow? Um, th- no new development within the ServiceNow app teams is happening inside of workflow. Okay, so we're not, okay, so not going to get a new change management old workflow. Correct. Okay. So the, the existing content, the existing workflows will continue to work. And there's still a few out of the box. Um, as you've probably seen in recent releases, much yep. of that is being converted to flow. So change management is a really great example. Um, change policies used to use our legacy workflow product mm-hmm. that has now since transitioned to using Flow Designer. And you mentioned converting. This is one of our most common questions. You probably get this on a daily basis. Is there a way to convert those legacy workflows to Flow Designer? So unfortunately, no. Now we are investigating um, actually creating a conversion tool. So all TBD at this point. Um, we actually have some internal teams that have developed a conversion tool, but we would have to then turn around and productize it. Sure. So what we recommend with our customers is first, um, Workflows will continue to work. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Mm -hmm. If you're planning new development, we recommend doing it in Flow Designer. It's faster to develop, it's higher performance, you have more features and so forth. If you're making a major modification to an existing workflow, consider reworking it inside a Flow Designer versus continuing to modify and enhance the the legacy workflow. Now, one addition I would call out is uh, Flow can call workflow. So we actually built it in uh, very natively. So if you have a legacy workflow you're using, but you, you know, it's like a subflow, for example, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can use it just like any other action inside a Flow Designer. So you can have your flow point to a workflow 
to continue your full fulfillment plan, you know, with, with Citrix or some legacy, you know, system that you may have integrated with. And I think this gets to the mindset because one of the other common questions I get is, well, what about rollbacks? And typically those were used in the legacy workflow for very monolithic start to end of the process. Flows in Flow Designer are a different mindset. They're almost like super business rules. They come in, they do their thing, they have a trigger, they run a few actions and they're done. And if you need to rerun, say, an approval, you trigger that flow again with whatever conditions triggered it before. And it's not a problem. So it's it, it really is a different mindset where people go, well, how am I going to re-implement this thing? It often helps if you are doing what Jake suggested, doing some maintenance on an old legacy workflow and you're consider, considering migrating it to flow, break it down into its constituent parts. There's an approval that happens first. Then I go and create some tasks off of a template. Then I go and do some other. There are logical steps or stages in there might make sense to make those separate flows. There's nothing that says you can't have seven flows in your process and three of them are called 15 times. That's fine. No, great ad, Chuck. And even a recommendation, make make things reusable, right? Build once, call from anywhere. Another thing to note about Flow Designer is you can call it natively from virtual agent. So you can call flows in action. So if I go get a, create a, say an integration to weather.com and I want to have a VA chat conversation, say, what's the weather? Um, it'll automatically use flow designer behind the scenes. So it's just a simple drag and drop point and click sort of setup. Um, no custom coding, no JavaScripting, no business rules, um, just drag and drop. With that example, it almost seems too obvious when you just said that, like, oh, duh, a chat bot, <laughs> you, know, you, you kind of need it. All right, let's turn to Integration Hub. Great. So Integration Hub is our extension of our flow product for integrations to non-service now environments. So using protocols like REST or SOAP or JDBC and Shell and PowerShell and so forth. With our integration product, we have development partnerships with the most important enterprise software companies our customers use, like SAP, Oracle, Microsoft, Google, and countless more. We last audited um, earlier this year we had over 3,500 pre-built integrations with these companies. Wow. Holy smokes. That was like 150 last time I looked. You guys have been well, busy. 150 partnerships, 3,500 integrations with those 150 partnerships. And those are things that we support out of the box. These are partnership agreements. So we're going to continue to maintain and enhance these as new versions of those products come out. As we release new features, we're going to continually to iterate on those so that they're very rich integrations. And they're mm -hmm. not just connectors to a third party, they're typically, and where we can do it, bi-directional. So we will support bi-directional integration. So when an action happens in that third party, uh, like say, a, let's use Jira as an example, sure. a simple ticketing example, defect is closed in Jira, we can react to that and make changes inside a service now. Another really great example, DocuSign. I send a DocuSign contract for signing, we can sit and wait for that DocuSign signature. Once it's signed, we can pick up and carry on. So that bi-directional communication is, is pre-set up with our integrations. I love that DocuSign example because it, it makes me think of a recent episode of Robert Fedorik's podcast, CJ and the Duke. They were talking to some veterans. And one of the examples they got is like, when I discovered ServiceNow, 
I fell in love because we didn't have to, literally, they have this blue folder that needs signatures on it, and you had to walk it around to people's desks to get signatures. <laughs> I am I'm so glad that our government agencies are picking up on this and optimizing their processes. Maybe I'll get my passport back before Christmas. Yeah, great example. Yeah, so one thing we like to tell customers about Integration Hub is we provide the factory with the car. <laughs> so you go buy a, a car, you know, from the local dealership. Hey, here's the factory to come with it. We where we build all of our pre-built integrations, um, just like if we were building a car, um, our customers can go use the same tech, the t- same factory, the same parts to build new integrations. They can copy. Uh, the out-of-the-box integrations we provide and extend them if necessary or use them as a model for the, say, the next integration for that particular vendor. Um, Another little tidbit is we make our integrations uh, dynamic. So we have a a patented feature that is titled introspection. The idea is if I have a third party that, um, if I have a third party that has customization, so let's use SAP. Great example. Every single SAP implementation, completely unique. Or, hey, every single ServiceNow implementation, completely unique. When I connect to SAP or ServiceNow or Microsoft Dynamics or Salesforce or Workday, and I'll keep picking you know, off the list. <laughs> when I connect to those environments, I want to know, hey, what, what tables can I connect to? What apps can I connect to? When I connect to an app, let's use Jira as a simple example. Uh, again, if I pick a defect, what are my fields within the defect? We'll actually normalize the data for the schema on that third party. So whether I'm connecting to SAP or another ServiceNow instance or Jira, we'll actually normalize the, the schema on the fly. Mm-hmm. So at design time, your flow author, your workflow author can simply do the integration without having to go and get under the covers and modify the APIs or modify the scripts or other parts that made it work. So our out-of-the-box integrations, very extensible and, and usable without customization, but you're also given the factory to go roll your own. Oh, absolutely. And, and I just did an episode of Creator Toolbox on dynamic inputs and how valuable those are when you're creating an integration to another system. You don't know, you know if they have five projects in Jira or 1,500 projects in Jira or data centers in Asia for provisioning, uh, but they, they, they eventually change. These things change. And you can get that real data at design time when you're dropping these actions in. It says, hey, here's the list of server sites today. Pick one. And you know, a year you later, it. you come back, it's a different set of servers. It's like, that just totally reduces the amount of maintenance you'd have to do as opposed to building a completely separate integration and possibly storing that information, which could be out of date. And yeah, I love dynamic inputs. Can't wait to cover dynamic outputs soon. (laughs) Yep. That's exactly right. I didn't know that was patented. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So again, I mean, you, you, you listed off a great example and there's so many more like, Hey, I'm connecting to like Google drive or, or OneDrive, And I want a list of folders. Yeah. Now that I picked a folder, I want a list of files. Well, we can use that same introspection, not just to discover schema, but discover content like that. What's the content of files on a, a folder on a remote system? And all of that gets then served up dynamically. So that's so cool. That's so cool. 
Any other integration hub highlights to note? Yeah, a couple for you. So, you know, one, did you know we have open API support? I did. So, and I love looking for open API specs with it. It's like just you can literally point to a URL or copy this YAML file and dump it. And it goes, great. Here's the 17 endpoints and here's the parameters they need. It's like, oh, that is such a time saver. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, so open API is a, a standard for, you know, REST-based integrations. And they, you know, they like to call or the industry calls them a Swagger specification. So we can essentially download a Swagger specification, as you mentioned, and learn the third-party service, learn the API. So if it's Capital One that's offering, let's say, a, a banking background check or credit score check service through Capital One, you simply point to the service you want. Hey, I want background check. Mm-hmm. And it, Within seconds, you have an action pre-built, pre-wired up inside of in, inside of ServiceNow, inside of Integration Hub, that uses that service. So whether it's banking service through Capital One or you know weatherbit.com, where I want to just get the weather or pick your integration, there are thousands upon thousands of these published uh, by companies out there that you can go and integrate with. So while we have 150 development partnerships that we maintain and support on a regular basis. You can go add a thousand more integrations with just a few clicks. And this is so easy. Once once you do this one time, and, and once you import the the uh, Swagger spec, you can still modify it and say, you know what they gave they asked for seventeen parameters, and I know I never use six of them. You could take that out so that somebody's not prompting them for input after input after input. If you're not using it, it's it's kind of like the old Wisdom and Soap thing where. You know, you can, you don't have to fill in all the blanks every time if you don't use them. Yeah, yep, exactly. And a few other things to highlight. Um, uh, some of the other features we have is around um, XML and JSON parsing. So anytime you do anything with integrations, you're typically working with some sort of structured payload. Mm-hmm. And the two standards out there that are very prevalent are XML and JSON. So we actually offer some features to uh, parse and navigate json and xml with clicks not code so just drag and drop sort of experience very intuitive uh kind of self parsing so you can just use the data you want and you can go under the covers and kind of remap the schema if necessary and then for the advanced users we still give you access to script so javascript is prevalent in service now it's not some um proprietary standard everything we do in our integration uh landscape you can also drop into script and do for if you're more of a pro coder or more advanced uh, integration developer. Nice. So Jake, we're known as one single platform. Flow Designer runs on the same platform as our reports and performance analytics, and we're really getting a lot of power out of that. How does that play into that single platform mentality? Uh, like, What are the benefits of having our workflow and integration platform on the same uh, platform with the rest of this stuff? Uh, that's a great question, Chuck. I think it's it's really easy to overlook some of the power of the platform. It, when you go, if you were to go acquire a standalone workflow product, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's great for doing one-off integrations. But does it have some of the resiliency that um, a platform provides around encryption, around security, or it, around uh, availability, and so forth? So our 
workflow and integration platform coexists with the rest of the ServiceNow platform, as you mentioned. What that means is our customers benefit from all the values of that uptime and resiliency and availability of the platform from upgrade safe workflows. So things continue to run and execute during upgrade to general uptime offered by our contractual agreements. Everything driving your workflows and automation is both redundant in the active data center as well as replicated for disaster recovery to a paired data center. Mm. Another tidbit is we also uh, support tamper-proof execution. So where you can be assured that your authored workflows that were authored to run in production is in fact the authored process plan that went through the release gates. This is just a little detail that matters, especially for sensitive workflows for regulated markets, for peace of mind. Okay. And our flow and integration hub products also support sync and async execution, meaning you can do real-time response in an active user session where you can work or your work can be shared across available horsepower in a more concurrent execution. Our flow products also support client-side scripting. So that allows things like callbacks and user portals where you might do an integration with a weather service while browsing a portal page. And once the API call finishes, the user session reacts in a responsive way. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Yes, <laughs> That's, I do that all the time, of course. And this also extends for our mid server uh, for on-premise. So mid is management instrumentation and discovery server. It, essentially, it acts as a proxy for communication uh, to customer on-premise systems behind the firewall. Mm-hmm. The way our flow and integration products are architected they can execute independently within the MIT and allow for your workload and use cases to extend to on-premise systems seamlessly without skipping a beat. Well, Jake, all that sounds great, but I'm sure these listeners want a sneak peek of what's coming in Rome. Ah, thanks, Chuck. Thanks for reining me in. As you can see, even after seven years, I'm super excited about our platform. So one of the long anticipated and requested features is error handling. Now you might ask, how can you have a workflow product without the ability to handle errors? Well, we could, we just didn't make it easy for our customers. So certain actions like HTTP calls could get a 404 error Mm -hmm. and results aren't as expected. Or you could have a lookup record operation and the record wasn't found. You can catch these errors, but in the past, you'd have to plan for them. You have to kind of design your workflow with those errors in mind. Right. I had to make custom actions at some point. And I think I did something like that. It was a lookup record or whatever it was. And now I've just sort of made it a standard practice to return a count as one of the outputs of that action so that I could do it. If the count was zero, then I want to go down this path. But you're saying there's a better way than building all these little hooks of your own. That's right. So in our action designer product, we can now essentially allow you to skip um, so either error or continue when an error occurs, and then you can catch your error and, and essentially override or decorate the error response for the action. So it allows you to now have a more kind of uh, prescribed mm-hmm. error handling plan versus a design pattern. Okay. In, in Rome, we introduced the concept of never fail. As a workflow author, you can specify the default behaviors. So what to do if something unexpected happened, right. and whether you want to continue error an additional, we're offering the ability to catch the error so that you can send a notification, you know, create a task for an administrator or any other logic you'd like to add. Yeah, it's nicer to know as an administrator that you know you're the first one to know if something stopped or hit an unexpected payload or something, to, rather than getting a call like, "Hey, my thing never finished," you know, two weeks ago, 
and now you got to go spelunking through some logs and execution details. You go, um, where was it? Which was it? Is it still available? Yeah, that's that's a big help. So, and it's extensible, as I understand, right? Because you've got your own. You can define when it, what actually is a failure condition, and what you want to do about that failure condition. Yeah, you got it. Well, one of our newer products is called Process Automation Designer. Mm-hmm. It launched in Paris. So this is a no-code experience to orchestrate multiple flows for enterprise workflow. This solution is built on top of Flow Designer, and it offers a Kanban-style interface to organize work with lots of scheduling and, and data flow power. Now, for those of the for those listeners that are familiar with the Process Automation Designer, we had a lot of UI 16 experiences embedded. We were essentially iframing uh, legacy forms. So in Rome, we completely modernized the UI. So it has a much more fresh 2021 feel. And using the latest now design system UI standards, the biggest benefit other than the looks is the speed of authoring a process that the new elegant design offers. Nice. Performance is always a good thing to these people because it's, yeah, I mean, a lot of the the experienced developers will go, okay, there's a form, I'll fill it out. But you get new capabilities too with the now design system stuff. You can use those components in in new ways that you couldn't do with standard lists and forms previously. Yeah. What else? Yeah, another really great feature worth highlighting is our new data mapping experience. So this is Integration Hub ETL. So ETL is extraction, translate, load, a common term used for import and export. Mm-hmm. So mention, much like I mentioned in Process Automation Designer, we took our legacy data import feature and gave it a huge facelift using now designed systems. Integration of ETL gives you that guided setup and a drag and drop experience you'd expect from an ETL system in 2021. So we're super excited about this new interface. The solution will continue to be enhanced in the coming releases to support more data sources and integration setup. Eventually, it's going to deprecate the legacy import-export system that you would, you would use, which mm-hmm. every customer uses, with this new modern experience. So the integration hub ETL, is, is that the integration hub import that we've heard about? That's correct. Okay. Yes. And, and with Rome... Currently, we're supporting data streams on that, but we will be getting other stuff. And yeah, if, if you're thinking data sources, transform maps, import sets, this is the next generation of it. And what I've seen is terribly exciting, and I can't wait to get my hands on it. I just I just asked one of our internal people, got any videos so I can at least see something more than a slide? Because this is, uh, this is what you would expect if you were just coming onto the platform and going, I need to do an integration. And this makes it so much easier than than having to explain. You know, and like all the other platform features, import sets, data sources, transform apps will still be there and will still continue to work. But like the discussion we had with Flow Designer and the legacy workflow, if you're building new, build it here. If you're maintaining old stuff, consider migrating. If if it's just working and it continues to work, don't bother. You, know, you just... Going through the effort maybe as a learning experience, but no value gained beyond that. Thanks, Chuck. So a couple last things to mention. So one of the things uh, with our integration of product line is that we provide a lot of raw functionality, frameworks and connectors, connectors with integrations. Very powerful. Uh, But you have to build your use case. So one of the efforts that we've started to do is build a few integration solutions and making them available via the ServiceNow store. So the idea is we'll pre-build actually working end-to-end integrations 
and make them available for customers to pick up and use. So one example of that is Password Reset. So mm -hmm. Password Reset originally worked with Microsoft AD, Azure AD, and then just ServiceNow. Sure. Well, we recently added um, Okta and Google Identity Manager. So if those are your password stores, our ServiceNow product will natively integrate with them. And we're adding more to them in, in coming releases. Another uh, use case is Citrix Cloud Management. So a plugin for our ITSM products. So this automates day-to-day -day IT administration tasks around digital workspace delivery for IT teams and their workforce. Mm -hmm. um, next up is Account Management Catalog. So this is coming. I don't think it's actually dropped on the store or if it did, it's, it's literally just dropped. Um, is pre-created service catalog with flow templates for account management. So every customer out there likely has set up some sort of account management automation, like add a user to a group, remove a user from a group, copy a user for a new onboard uh, staff member. We are pre-creating a catalog of these uh, workflows, these mm -hmm. really useful account management workflows. So you can essentially jumpstart your automation um, efforts. And kids, don't copy existing users. Copy template users. Because <laughs> if you're like me and you've been at a job for 22 years, I pity the poor person who inherited all of my roles and responsibilities. <laughs> what's, this, what's this group in Active Directory for BBS users? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we use that anymore, do we? No, you got you to use templates. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. Every customer's probably had that, that workflow to onboard or modify or update. It's like, automate this stuff, automate this stuff. All right, can you give us a hint of what's on the roadmap, Jake? This is the secret part. All right, so what's coming? So first, big reveal, diagramming. We're bringing workflow back, but built with Flow Designer. So in coming releases, AKA soon, you'll have the ability to toggle between flow top-down, the readable approach to workflow, and a more diagrammatic approach, more like Physio. If I remember right, when we first started uh, Becky, you remember Becky, we were doing some of those early previews of the UI, and I know that flow was designed with a back-end engine that was basically refaceable. So now we're, we're, we're seeing that, right? We, we're seeing two different UIs or two different approaches to build a flow, but it's still the same engine on the back end, correct? That's correct. And so just like we mentioned earlier on the call, this isn't the conversion tool. This doesn't allow you to convert legacy workflow, but you'll have that more traditional workflow-like uh, diagramming experience. So Flow Designer will continue to enhance um, but you'll be able to switch from that top-down readable view to the diagrammatic view if that's your preference. And depending on what you're trying to do, imagine a complex change approval process that's got 200 connected uh, boxes. If you were to go look at that workflow in a Visio style, it's going to be quite cumbersome and hard to navigate. If I look at it top-down, things can collapse and I can you know, almost instantly read what's going on. So depending on the complexity of the workflow or really the style or just personal preference, you might use one versus the other, but you will have parity uh, in capability and you can actually just toggle. It's just going to be an option at the top of the menu where I can just flip between the two. You beat me to my next question. It was going to be same flow, different views. I love it. Got it. What else? So that was, that was our big one. Another one, I am equally excited about this. Uh, so coming soon via the ServiceNow store, 
very soon. Keep an eye out for it. Is our new decision. <laughs> this is sounding ominous. Like, really, yeah. really soon. <laughs> yeah. Is our new decision designer. So this is actually going to be backward compatible to Quebec. So decision designer is a modern UI on top of our decision table product. So just like we did with our import sets, just like we did with process automation designer, we put a new modern front end to this existing product. So decision tables already existed. It's very minimally adopted though, because it was a pain to, to set up and administer. I didn't think so, but okay. I'm not your average <laughs> you guy. You've been, you've been service now for a long time. Yes, Chuck. Uh, so, you know, decision tables, um, they've been around for a very long time in, in the industry. And another term for them is the business rules engine. A business rules engine can have more logic, but this is a core, core concept and part of it. Decision tables are used to decouple logic from code. So for example, I might have a workflow that has many decisions. If this, then that. By using a decision table, you could have hundreds or even thousands of decisions. And any changes or maintenance can occur by a business user without touching the workflow. Yes. So whether whether I have a script, a flow, a whatever... If I have a set of approval rules, I can change those approval rules all day long and it doesn't change my logic, my compiled code, my revisioned, you know, version control. You don't have to go back to dev. You don't have to go back to dev. <laughs> this is basically what it comes down to. You know, now you may want to go to test so you can test these, you know, rules changes. I I love them. My my classic example is airline points, right? You get to 25,000, you're silver. You get to 50,000 airline points and your gold, and then you get platinum and diamond or whatever, you know, tiered structure they come up with. And then at some point you could say, you know what, we're changing the rules instead of 25, 50, 75, and 100, it's going to be 30, 60, 90, and 120. You can change those rules and going forward, those are the new rules, but you didn't have to go and change the underlying workflow or the underlying code to access those, which is a huge benefit to developers because, Let's face it, you know, if somebody says, oh, guess what? We changed the rules. And it's like, everybody groans and goes, oh man, I've got a switch statement buried down deep in some code, or I've got, you know, if else, if else, or something in a flow or in code. And you're just going, oh, that is going to be so painful. I have a new role. I have a new location. I have a new thing that I didn't plan for when I originally built this thing. And now I have to go (laughs) add it or change it. Because that never happens. So, I mean, see, here's a secret, uh, a little secret wish of mine, and and you could hopefully extrapolate and get my meaning, is that think of upgrade proof. If my business rules, if my logic throughout the platform is using decision tables for all of the decisions, when I do an upgrade, my code doesn't have to change. I'll have zero conflicts. I just have to worry about the decisions that are driving the code. So when I go and implement a new app, a new ServiceNow implementation, I modify my decisions that will will drive what happens, but my code doesn't change. My business rules are as they were out of the box based on best practice. When I upgrade, I have no conflicts. And so this has some far-reaching advantages and uh, benefits that we as a platform need to adopt, but as customers can use for new use cases right out of the gate. And so super excited about this. I could spend an hour just talking about decision management. So I hope I've at least piqued your interest and, you know, do keep an eye out because this is coming very soon via the store with Quebec support. Absolutely. This is one of those 
One of those things that we've talked about before, longtime listeners or viewers will know, triple D. It's not diver, dine, drive-ins, dive, whatever it is, <laughs> the TV show about food. This is data-driven design. If you can make your app, if you can make your configuration, if you can make your extension to ITSM, whatever it is, data-driven, you will save yourself boatloads of time in maintenance down the road. It may take a little more thought on the front end to engineer that solution, but you will be much better off in the long run because inevitably, like we said, business requirements change. Organizations, they're organic. Organizations and organic have the same root word, change. It's going to happen and you don't want to be the person left maintaining this old flow or this old code while all your friends are working on cool new stuff. So you just go, hey, I gave so-and-so this permission. It's part of that group. You add them to that group that can now maintain that table. You take care of it. My code is going to be just fine without you. Uh, I did this, oh man, 10 years ago or more at one of our customers. I implemented a change template process and just said, look, if you want to change what's needed for an emergency change, or you want to change the tasks that are underneath a routine change, go ahead, change them. And my flow just continued to work like nothing ever happened. They can go and change that all day, insert an approval, do whatever. And doesn't make any difference to me. The The same framework is running that same uh, templating process. Anyway, I get a little... Uh, religious about that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay. What are some of the main takeaways you want our listeners to know? Well, first, Chuck, I'm excited that you're excited. I'm super thrilled. And I hope I hope it comes across to our customers too. I mean, we are so proud of the automation and kind of the workflow backbone of our platform. Um, so Flow Designer and Integration Hub, it, it is the backbone of our workflow in the ServiceNow platform. Right. We talk about being a workflow platform. We make workflow, and uh, these workflow products will help you get there. So if you're not using it, you should be. Uh, did you know we offer Integration Hub Starter at no cost to our customers? I knew that, but I'll bet many of our listeners didn't know. Integration Hub Starter, zero, free, get started. Yeah. So it allows you to use a subset of our pre-built integrations, but more importantly, it allows you to create new custom integrations. Uh, so please check it out. Use it. Mm. Um, it's it's a very generous entitlement uh, to essentially get you to uh, take advantage of the, the platform. And if you're holding out due to your legacy workflow implementation, it's really it's time to look at flow and integration up for your next automation project. Absolutely. Jake, have you heard the term Fladvocate? I don't think I have, no. Oh, it, it's it's making its way around the developer community. Thanks to Andrew Albury Dorr down in uh, Australia. And he, it's a it's a flow designer advocate. It just sort of popped up on Slack one day as Fladvocate, and it's now got its own hashtag, and people are using it. So, if you encounter that, consider us among those Fladvocates. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Before we leave, can you let the listener know how they can get in touch with you? Um, so, email is one way, and I'll take it. So, Jake.Berman at servicenow.com. You can also follow me, uh, catch me on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn um, slash IN slash Jake Berman, no dot, just Jake Berman. Um, those are the two best ways, email or LinkedIn. Uh, connect with I me. Will. I would love to hear from you. 
And I will put links to those in the description, in the show notes, wherever you are listening to this, or you can always come back to the link, devlink.sn slash breakdashpoint for this. Thank you, wonderful listener, for joining us today. And don't forget, we've got many other podcasts out there. Servicenow.com slash podcasts is where you can find those, or you can go to the community and find them under the resources menu. You can subscribe to this podcast and have it automatically delivered to you for free so you don't miss it on social media or you don't miss it when it actually gets released. Go out there and get that. Again, thank you so much, Jake, for sharing with us today. Thanks, Chuck. Have a great day. Have a great week. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening.